Hello, everybody. Welcome to Two Nuts in a Pod. I'm Lizzie. And I'm Emery. And we have a lovely guest in the studio with us today, Nadia Jarfi. Hey, everybody. And so excited that she's here. Um, I've known Nadia now for like a year? Right at a year, actually. About a year? Aw, it's our year anniversary. It's our year anniversary. Friendiversary. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Nadia, too. No. No, you don't. She's <laughs> okay. my friend. She's not your friend. Okay, all right. Hey, guys. <laughs> not everybody's no. here. We're in the same... We've been in the same, like, COVID bubble together. So we're a pretty pretty tight crew. Um, we have you and you and your man were like the first couple we hung out with in COVID. So yeah, because you have to stay sane. Somehow. Yeah, and Nadia was born and bred in Louisville, right? But then, I was. but then you went to San Diego to do your bachelor's in anthropology. Okay, well, I just, I just told a little lie. I'm actually I wasn't born here, but I was pretty much raised here. I was born in Atlanta, Georgia. Actually. Oh. Hot Lana. Hot Lana. That's right. Cool. True Southern girl. Nice. And then you went you went to San Diego for school. Yeah, it was it was more than just school. I was I I thought I was gonna end up there for a long time, but you know, life changes and you go with the flow. I was there for about eight years. Eight years. Dang, I didn't realize that. Pretty much you my twenties. You moved out there and you were like working and I know you worked in like the food industry and like you're a sommelier, right? Like Yes. Well I I started getting really into wine through a, my first job out there, but so I wanted to go to school, but you have to wait a year for residency out there. So I didn't want to like jump into paying out of state tuition. So I ended up waiting a year and a half because I was just having a lot of fun, but I did stick to my word and go to college. But it was um it was very much geared towards school, but I thought I was going to end up being there long term. Yeah. And but I'm then, stoked to be back. Yeah. And so she came back to Louisville and just brightened all of our lives. And we're so happy <laughs> that she's back. What was it that made you come back? Oh, man, it was like a lot of things. I think San Diego, when people say, how do you get sick of San Diego? Like, that doesn't make sense. You get sick of perfect weather and the ocean and it is absolutely one of the most beautiful places i do not take a moment i spent there for granted Um, i think there's something to be said about cities that are just a little bit slower pace though and the pace that i was ready to go at and like finding my career and acceleration and learning was just not in sync with kind of the lifestyle of san diego and it, it doesn't have as many opportunities as some of the bigger cities too, unless you're in kind of niche industries. So I had been feeling for about the last year and a half, I was there, um, some kind of disconnect. Like I wanted to move. I didn't know where I wanted to go, but I knew that my chapter, I think everyone can relate with being at a point in your life when you've lived in other cities where you just kind of know when that chapter is closing. Yeah. And that's how I was feeling for a long time. And turns out when I decided to come home, I thought it was only going to be for six months. And then lo and behold, the pandemic hit. And honestly, I, and, I couldn't be. And you be, met Corey. And I met Corey. I couldn't be more grateful to be here during this time, though. It has been exactly where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. Um, well, now I'm scared you're like a flight risk. Don't leave us. <laughs> I'm do- I mean, I've got a great job and career now, so I'm pretty, I feel like I'm, I'm stuck for a while. 
yeah. here for the long haul. So Nadia is at Story Louisville. Which, yes. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? I would love to, yeah. So um, if you're not familiar with Story Louisville, we are a co-working space in Nulu. So we are a wonderful outlet for people that are working remote and can't stand working in their house. Um, we do have some small private offices, some larger offices. We kind of facilitate a place for growth for entrepreneurs, tech startups, creatives. We want to just have a place that people can go and have non-transactional relationships and also network at the same time. We got 24-7 access for our members, kombucha on tap, local coffee, really, really cool vibe and aesthetics. Really it's amazing. It's beautiful. Stuff. I've seen the pictures of it. It's like, yeah, I would love to work in that space. Yeah, it's fun. And I get to meet people from all walks of life and industries and learn something new from everybody. So I love it so much. If you ever want to check it out, get my information just Nadia at storylouisville.com and I'll hook you up with a day pass. Cool. I'll put that in the show notes too. Yeah. Awesome. So yeah, that's Nadia, um, our beautiful, beautiful friend. Sorry, I'm going to talk about how beautiful <laughs> she is a lot because she's Make just truly stunning um, inside and out. Uh, but yeah, so happy to have you here today. And uh, we're going to, well, business before we get started, <laughs> Emo's got to give the business. Yeah, since uh, I haven't been able to talk yet. I uh, <laughs> So the business for the show, <laughs> if I can remember. So you are listening to Two Nuts in a Pod on 106.5 Forward Radio. You can listen to us anytime at forwardradio.org. You can find us on streaming services, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, and CastBox. You can also find us on social media platforms. Instagram is Two Nuts in a Pod with just the number two because it's all cool and hip. And Facebook is Two Nuts in a Pod with two spelled out. You can also email us anytime, day or night, two nuts in a podcast at gmail.com, and we'll respond eventually. I don't know when we'll respond sometime. Yeah, we'll respond. In between one hour and a hundred days, we will respond. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good window. I feel like that's a really professional window for us. For so that if we respond rate. in like seventy days, they're like, Oh, cool. They responded pretty quickly. Like they'll know that we're one hour to a hundred yeah, days. Just remember guys, we have mood disorders, so it takes <laughs> it takes a while. I've been working on that draft email for like forty days. <laughs> Yeah, so good job. Business done. I I, I was able to talk, so I got my business. (laughs) Well, do you want to explain our first segment since you haven't got to talk as much? Oh, man, this is what you do. Okay, the first segment is... We're doing a little Freaky Friday. Yeah, we'll see if I can do it. What if I just stall and panic? Uh, The next segment is uh, How Are You For Real? So a lot of times you ask people, how are they? And you go and you ask them how they are, then they're like, yeah, I'm fine, whatever. And then you're done. But we want to go a little deeper. So obviously you can say, like, I'm good, great, but whatever. But those aren't real answers. So we want a deeper answer of how are you for real. This is where I do – well, this is – so if we were switching, I would do this. I would say, like, hey, like, can we do role play? So this is where you do it now. Uh, I told you, we got to do the role play again. All right, we won't do the role play. Even because new listeners are like, what are they talking about? But I can understand. We don't have to do role play. I think play. they'll get it. Okay. I think they'll get it. <laughs> so basically, normally conversations don't go very far when you ask how people are because it's just a politeness thing and it's quickly over and you don't really know anything new about that person. So how are you for real? We actually want to find out how you are. And if you are good, then just tell us why you're good. Tell us what's what's going so well. 
So, uh, Emery. And we won't do role play. I love role play. <laughs> Emery on. loves role play. Let's uh, just title the show. Title Emery the loves show. role play. Emery loves role play. <laughs> we won't do that this this today. <laughs> so, Emery, how are you for real? I am pretty happy in general. I feel um, I feel in pretty good mood. You know, with the with the weather like this, it's real crappy outside. It's real dark and gloomy and gray and cold and that is what i love i love Ooh. when it's like this he's a uh, freak <laughs> i'm a total freak about it i i'm not really in the summer i'm not a summer boy um my seasonal d- uh affective disorder is very strong in the summer but in the winter i'm just a real happy guy i have had a really good time with my house everything's going well there uh floyd my cat is doing great he was real cuddly this morning, like overly affectionate this morning. I was like, well, come on, man, give me a break. Like, all right, we get it, buddy. You love me. But it's it's really, <laughs> really nice having him around. And that's been like, the last few weeks, that's been my number one like gratitude is having Floyd around. Uh, but yeah, things are going pretty well. I, I can't complain about anything. I feel like my transition to my new job is a little, little scary because whenever you do something new, it's a little intimidating. But I think it's gone pretty well, and I'm excited for the challenge because I just... You know, when you're in certain positions, you feel a little complacent or feel like, okay, like I'm ready for something new or something different. And that's, it was just the right time. So that felt really good. And today I went on a walk with a friend and that was really nice to see them. Oh, walkie talkie. I did a little walkie talkie today. I don't do as many walkie talkies in the winter because people love going outside when it's warm, but people are so against going outside when it's cold. Not me. I want to go outside all the time when it's cold, but I can't find a lot of people to do walkie-talkies with me. If you're not familiar with walkie-talkies, it's where we walk together and we talk. I love a walkie-talkie. I love a good (laughs) walkie-talkie. So, yeah, that was really nice and had a good, yeah, it's a good weekend, good week. I really, I mean, yeah, I don't, I can't, I'm, because I'm, like, generally a pretty depresso, sad person. Like, I can't even think of like what is bumming me out right now and that gives me some anxiety because i'm just like something's coming waiting for it a plane is gonna crash into this building yeah (laughs) as we're recording i'm too happy right now something bad's gonna happen but no it's been it's been really nice so i'm doing well that's awesome wow i'm so happy that's really great because you had such a tough summer and yeah the summer sucked to be able to like come back from that like completely come back from that i mean from the summer being suicidal and having to go through what you went through with the inpatient and and outpatient therapies and then you're back on your feet again yeah that was really that was a really tough summer um but i you know i think the the biggest part for me there was that i sought help and i think i do that more now than ever before where it's like if i'm struggling any moment, I'm just going to seek help. I'm tired of being like, mm, I'm going to power through this or I be a you're man. You're so brave for that, though, being open and being able to tell people what you're going through. And even if they don't understand, at least you're just like, this is who I am. This yeah. is what I go through. And I'm human. I and it's OK. That. I yeah. appreciate that very much. Yeah. I, I just realized that, like, I don't want to hide that stuff. So I'm just very forthcoming about it and it just makes things a lot easier because one people connect to you on that way but two like people i mean your friends and family want to help and support you like you're not a burden to them and no. i think in the summer i felt like you know i don't want to bother anybody but now it's like hey if i'm bummed out i'm gonna let people know we're gonna talk about it yeah that's the difference between when when you're doing well and when you're doing bad is that 
when you're really doing bad, it becomes so hard to reach out to people. Well, that's the whole internet culture now, right? It's like everybody on Instagram and Facebook has to look like their life is perfect. I've had moments where I wanted to reach out to people, but I'm like going to mess up my online image of just all of the good things in my life. And it's not realistic. I mean, people are not as glamorous as they seem on the internet full time. Yeah. Yeah. I like the comparison that it's like Instagram is like the highlight reel. Yeah. <laughs> so as long as you always keep that in mind that like you're looking at a highlight reel, you're not looking at someone's actual lived experience. Yeah. Um because a lot of times I'll see that like I'll know that someone's going through a hard time and then I'll see what they post and I'm like no one else would have any idea. No, yeah. Cuz people just don't talk about they don't post about the stuff that's hard typically. Well, I know for me, I get I've wanted to be a lot more vulnerable on the internet, but I find it it gives me so much anxiety. Yeah. Like I feel like I'll write up something, especially in the beginning when a lot of the BLM and Brianna Taylor stuff was going on. It took me like a week to finally just be like screw it. I'm going to be vocal about this. I was one of the first in my group of friends from like San Diego and stuff too. And it gave, it was a lot of anxiety at first though. Like I feel like I had to like write in my note section, like 18 drafts of what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like rereading it and making sure it was perfect. And then eventually from there, like, you know, we, you get used to it, but it's definitely a very vulnerable thing to be vocal on the internet. Cause you don't know how many hundreds of people look at that stuff and now that you can track your insights i'm like wow like this post or this story received like five or six hundred views like that's insane mm-hmm. that's a lot of people so it can, it can give me personally a lot of anxiety for what i post online i fully admit that but i noticed too that when people are are vulnerable those tend to be really high traffic 100%. posts because people are starved for it people want that authenticity they want to hear they want to hear the other side of the story. It's very true. I definitely feel like I even gravitate more towards those types of posts, too. Yeah. Because I'm like, oh, they're laying it down. They're keeping it real. Yeah. Yeah, if you ever want to talk about vulnerable or TMI posts, just come talk to me. Because I'm very good <laughs> at just laying it out there. Yeah. I remember you posted one thing that was like, it insinuated like anybody just text me and tell me you love me or something and I was just like emo I love you <laughs> in all caps just like I don't even I don't even think you wrote back but I didn't need you to as long as you got it yeah that was uh I think that was the, the that was in summer it was the suicide post yeah it was the post about going to the hospital and I was just like yeah I want people to bother me and I just put my number out there, and, and people definitely bothered me, like, yeah, that's a lot. What it was, yeah, <laughs> it was yeah. like, all right, maybe I asked for too much. <laughs> but it was really appreciated. It showed that people care a lot, and it showed that people were like, yeah, like, those type of posts, those generate feelings. Like, the other posts, it's just like, okay, your life is perfect, but we know your life is not perfect. Especially during COVID, your oh life sure as hell ain't perfect. Especially during yeah. COVID. None of our lives are perfect right now none it's kind of the great equalizer in that way like no matter how rich or poor you are like all of our lives all of our lives have this haze on it yeah yeah we're all the c word as i've been calling it yeah none of us are operating at a hundred percent at all well because no matter what even if like you're in your best you know attitude or phase of life at the end of the day like we're still walking and living through a pandemic and people are dying around us and yeah there, there isn't still much yet we can do. Yeah. And it's that we talked about it 
in another episode it's just it that it's it's a prolonged trauma like i read oh, an yeah. read an article about how you know we're basically all going through prolonged trauma and that the that has similar effects to to big t trauma where you know we are not going to be able to access those parts of ourselves that allow us to really like kind of like connect with people and and get to those levels where we're feeling good enough um to actually like have close connections with others it's like what's going on in the world is actually making that harder and harder and and that's the that's our lifeblood right like connecting to other people is as humans like that is what life oh it's why we evolved we were able to come in communities and collect and gather and take care of one another i mean the family unit is the reason why Mm. sedentary society became a thing we wouldn't even be what we are without connecting with people and being able to gather and commune i mean i know person so tmi everybody here i have had the covid yes nadia's had it i had it about two and a half three months ago and i can honestly say the day i found out i had a positive test was the worst day of my life Mm. not because i felt bad but just the anxiety of knowing that you have this illness that can like strike you differently at any moment and that you may have affected people that you love um i broke out in hives all over my body for three days that was not even covid related just due to the stress so i do just want to like on that note let people know if you know somebody that gets it don't shame them you know no i feel like we're past that point now like when i had it i feel like people were still shaming people really hard for getting sick and Hmm. you know living a minuscule of a life you know sorry i went to the grocery today but you know yeah how dare you how dare you go for a walk at cherokee park you know it's like hey i'm just trying to keep myself healthy but um definitely like i i had some people that weren't very friendly to me when i found out through hearing it from my parents and stuff and that was really hard on me so be kind to one another yeah drop off a meal and remember covid it's like you know we're all kind of making our best judgment and doing our best to not be exposed to this thing but also remember covid it's it's like a tornado like it just hits randomly and you could be the most careful person like i heard from a co-worker who works on a, a covid response team that you know, she had someone who didn't even was not leaving their house, getting groceries delivered, like the whole thing, but got COVID. Yeah. So the only thing they could think of is that it was there were germs on the groceries that were delivered that then got transferred to them. So it's like you can be as careful as possible and you can still get it. Yeah. So like, yeah, there's no point in shaming people who get it. This is just uh, a disease that just hits randomly and and then there's those weird anomalies that just like they've been exposed so many times and they just never get it yeah does anyone know that have that friend like i feel like yeah i feel like i'm that friend like i've i've had people who i've been in contact with who get it and, and then, then i they let you know and then i get tested and i'm good and yeah. the tornado just keeps missing me but it'll get you soon well it's like you have to wonder how many how many of us will have gotten it by the end like what percentage of the population because right now i think it's like one in 25 or something 
So that's still pretty bad, though. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's so it could be coming for me. Well, vaccines are here. Woot woot. woot. Yeah, exactly. Okay, we're derailing from our segment. Yes, we gotta yes. get back on our segment. Back so, on the segment. I'm gonna ask. Hey, Lizzie. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> How are you for real? I am doing okay. So reporting out on my smoking cessation. Uh, I am two weeks in now. Woo! Got my patch on. Uh, I did. I was kind of having a meltdown this morning, so I totally had a cigarette, and it was totally amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I've just had some moments of weakness. We've got like an emergency pack of cigarettes where Seth and I will both kind of like one of us is having a really bad day we'll be like is it worth it should we just share one like because we're trying not to be very like abstinence only about it yeah like with my quitting like i'm just trying to break the habit um but it doesn't mean that i won't in the future enjoy the occasional cigarette in like social settings and or when i'm really stressed out or something like that um but yeah the biggest thing i've noticed with quitting smoking is that I've been having these like crying jags that just come out of nowhere. So it'll be, I'll just be suddenly just like having a normal day and then I'll be like, I just start sobbing, but it only lasts for like 10 to 30 seconds where I'm just like out of nowhere, start crying, sob uncontrollably. And then I'm just like, okay, I'm fine. Well, that must be such a shock to your system too. Like if you're a regular smoker and then you're not smoking as much, your body's like so used to having that to have that little like dopamine, you know, high. And And the act of doing it, it was something I could do when I was anxious to make me feel better. And so now I don't have that. Um, even though I have the patch, uh, I definitely have had to find other things like just going outside to read for 10 minutes just to be outside or I've been knitting. Knitting Ooh. helps a lot um, just because you're, you know, you're distracted. You're doing a lot with your hands. Um, and I also have a little like CBD vape that if I'm really Love that. wanting to smoke something, it's like there's something you can smoke that's safe. So I've got that in my arsenal, too. I was going to ask if you had, like, segued into the the CBD vapes yet, because I feel like it helps a lot of people when they want to quit smoking. Yeah, because it's not the CBD vapes. They don't they don't get you high, you know, like they make you relaxed, which is kind of what you you want when you're something, which is you like the aesthetic of it. Yeah. Yeah. So that has been I've, I've just introduced that in the past, like, few days, and that's helped a lot. I'm keeping an eye on it to make sure that I don't don't get addicted to that because <laughs> with my addictive personality like I could get addicted to literally anything like when doctors tell me something's non-habit forming I'm like try me <laughs> like <laughs> I can make a habit out of anything <laughs> seriously um, it's just in my genes I'm I'm a very like addictive personality um, but yeah so the quitting is going okay But today I was just kind of having a meltdown. I had a very social day all day yesterday because I was hosting a baby shower. So we were like getting everything all together. It was like from 10 a.m. until like 7, just the whole day. Yeah, setting it up and then doing the actual baby shower. And then people wanted to get dinner afterwards. And I'm like, 
All right, introvert is tapped out, guys. I'm go- I'm going <laughs> home. <laughs> I'm done. Uh, but I think that's why I was so emotional this morning is because I just maybe like was overstimulated yesterday totally. and didn't get a lot of time to like breathe and like take a moment. Um, so yeah, th- that left me today feeling kind of like all over the place. Um, plus whenever there's like a big life event thing, like a baby shower, it, it was my sister's baby shower. I feel so much pressure to make it perfect cause I'm a perfectionist. And so then that adds a lot of anxiety to it as well, where yes. the next day I'm still thinking, Oh, well we never, the mocktails didn't come together. Like, you know, things didn't go perfectly. Like we didn't get, you know, every single element that I wanted in it. And I just have to like tell myself like you know, Jenny, Jenny, my sister had a great time. Like, that's all that matters. It's past. It's over. Um, so yeah, today just trying to get out of that dark hole of like, um, overanalyzing things and also just, you know, having social anxiety and being an introvert when I spend that much time with people all day, I tend to like have this decompression period where I'm like, what did I say that was stupid? What did I do that was that maybe pissed someone off or made them think less of me? Like I, I just get into this like negative vortex of Mm. like, you know, what did I do wrong yesterday? And really nothing. I didn't do anything wrong yesterday. So (laughs) I don't know where it's all coming from, but um overall the past week has been pretty okay i've had some good days i'm still kind of in that place with my anxiety and depression where i've got like maybe i have like one or two good days a week and then the other days are kind of rough do you feel like the weather has anything to do with that yeah i get seasonal depression in the winter pretty bad um i get it in the summer too so basically i'm only happy in the fall and the spring (laughs) (laughs) i've like very few times in the year where i'm happy um this this year my seasonal depression isn't as bad i think my covid depression had kind of like overwhelmed my seasonal depression so i haven't needed to use like my happy light as much um I've got a little light that produces sunlight Ooh. and um, I haven't needed to use that as much as I did last year. And the holidays didn't really depress me as much as they usually do. So um, I, I can tell I'm slowly getting better, but I'm still I'm weaning off of medications from that former psychiatrist who prescribed me to a lot of stuff that I'm now figuring out I really shouldn't have been on. So I'm going off of my last mood stabilizer right now, slowly going off of it. Um, Never should have been on mood stabilizers because I'm not bipolar, but I was being treated as if I was bipolar. Oh, that's a misdiagnose. Yeah. And it, the fun, the most fun part about that is that the, the things that the mood stabilizers that are supposed to help with bipolar Really, they're trying to reduce mania because mania is the thing that can really be dangerous for people with bipolar. Obviously, the depressive side is too. But when people have bipolar and the mania is really getting in the way of their lives, they need drugs that stabilize that. The problem is when you don't have bipolar and you're being given mood stabilizers, it has this neutralizing effect on your moods where you just really don't have good moods anymore. 
um, you still have the bad moods and they're still just as bad, but you kind of lose the good moods. So I think I'm still coming out of that. Um, and it sucks. I mean, it sucks to only have like two good days in a week. Yeah. But that's kind of my life right now. Two's better than none, though. Two's better than none. And they do keep me going. Like, there was there was a time, Emo and I both had really rough summers, and I was having no good days for a while there, to the point where that's when the suicidal ideation starts to happen. Because when you just have bad day after bad day after bad day, you start to get hopeless. You, you yeah. start to think there's not, there's not going to be a good day ever again. So what am I doing? Why am I here? Like, that's the kind of dangerous... So I'm thankful to just be... To have my two good days a week right now. I'm thankful for your good days, too. Yeah. And this is turning into a good day. I had a meltdown this morning, but now I'm talking to you guys. I feel great. And, yeah. Love that. So I'm okay. I always say I'm okay. And that's pretty much how I'm going to be probably for a while. Um, I will say, compared to winters growing up here... I know that it's cold, but I feel like it used to get a lot colder. And that it's was not, like, yeah. And that was always a really dark place for me. It's like, it's 20 degrees, but like, it's pretty much stayed above 35. I know. Yeah. I want it to be below 20 every day. <sighs> Sicko. <laughs> are you a serial killer? <laughs> so, Nadia, how are you for real? <laughs> I'm like, do I need to put all of my like stuff out there just so people. Know? Okay, so. I am I am good. I actually had a pretty flustered morning as well. First off, I am very ADHD, mild OCD. I'm a control freak. I fully admit it. Um, and I'm on a Whole30 diet right now. And so my boyfriend and I are doing it together. Corey, lovely man. and Very lovely. We very, love Corey. Very, very lovely stud man. Um, so I grew up obviously my dad's a chef for those of you who don't know jarfy's catering grew up that's my dad's company so i can like pretty much like dice things up and like cook like pretty easily and Corey's like you know he's my sous chef for the morning but he's not like as great at all that stuff so i'm trying to teach him and i'm not really the best teacher because i just want to like take everything from him and do it myself it has to be perfect stop <laughs> yeah. you're cutting it wrong yeah so i find myself picking on the poor guy and then i like go into this like spiral of just like annoyance for hours while we're prepping and then I'm, we're like talking about moving in together in like six months which i'm super excited about because we'll be like nearing our two years so i feel like it's an appropriate healthy amount of time um and i just start going in that place in my head where i'm like well do i want to move in with this person they can't even cut the mushrooms he's, right he's not cutting the mushrooms <laughs> right. he can't even put the toast in the toaster correctly <laughs> like what else is he doing you know and then and then i'm just like what is wrong with you <laughs> and then i had to calm down and i went outside and was like you know what if the onions are rustic chop we're gonna be okay yeah and so that was, and then I, so next TMI, I like am living at my parents right now because I moved here and then the pandemic hit and I just, you know, wanted to save money and it's been really awesome. My parents are super cool, but I'm hitting that, that threshold of a year where I'm like, I can't be here any longer, but I'm still waiting for Corey's lease to be up. So then like my mom's like side texting me that she wants the kitchen when I like booked the kitchen for the morning, you know, and it's just like, <sighs> Everything is perfect. Everything's going to be okay. But then I'm 
and then you just want to kill the people around you in the morning. <laughs> yeah. I just felt like I was so annoyed. I was like, I just want to be able to cook and like chill and not worry. And I've always I've lived on my own since I was 17 years old. So being 30 going on 31, like living with people and especially your parents, it's just a very different thing. And so I feel like that's been something I've kind of like ebb and flowed mentally about. Like I have months where I'm like you're saving money, you're doing the right thing, you're going to have this amazing place that you're saving up for when Corey's lease is up, it's going to be all worth it. And then I have months where I'm just like, what am I doing here? (laughs) Get me out of here. (laughs) Like, there's got to be something I can do. So I don't know. I mean, it always feels weird to say I'm 30 years old and I live at home, but I guess. That happened to me too, though. I lived there for a year. Um, it was just the way things worked out. And yeah. yeah, after a year, I was like, I gotta get out of here. It's like the first six months are like amazing, right? Because you're like saving all this money. Like I haven't been near my family in eight years. So I'm like waking up and my nephew's at the house and I'm spending quality time with my dad and learning more about our like Moroccan heritage and cooking with him. And then by the end of like the first year, you're just like, I, this is why I've literally lived on my own since high school so yeah, yeah. Corey, Corey almost got his finger cut off this morning so oh no by you no. <laughs> <laughs> cut those onions correctly <laughs> just chopped his finger off well okay. I'm excited that you guys are looking at living together in the next six months that's a good thing yeah. to have on the horizon I'm really excited we want to definitely be in the highlands near all you cool cats and kittens so yeah. that'll be cool Awesome. Other, other than that, I would say I'm doing pretty good. It's been a good week. I would say that after I got COVID, I had some pretty low, low points because I'm just trying to get back to normal and coming out of that. And, you know, the holidays, we all drank a lot over the holidays. And I think that put me if I binge drink, I just get so depressed. So I felt like this diet's been really good for me. It's bringing me back up. Yeah. Yeah, so I would imagine, too, because I know that's one of the things that I do that is definitely getting in the way of, like, the meds that I'm taking actually working, is that I'm confusing things by drinking alcohol and then having hangovers and the way it depletes your serotonin the next day. Yeah. But it's so delicious. But it's, yeah, and it's fun and there's good things about it, like it it helps you kind of bond with people and totally. Um, but yeah, it's, it's always that balance of like, I, I want to be able to bond with people, but I also don't want to be poisoning myself at the same time. Oh yeah. I felt like the holidays was like total poison mode. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, oh yeah. Me too. Especially with everything. I mean, not, I don't want to go into politics by any means, but the political climate didn't help. I feel like I was getting off of work and like, I do the th- this thing, you know, I love wine, obviously. I studied it for a long time. But I, I, I know to, like, take a bottle of wine and how to save it for two days. So I have, like, two glasses the first night, finish the bottle the second night. Mm-hmm. Which is not, you know, I guess one glass a day is supposed to be healthy. I'm just, like, doubling that. It's all good. So it's extra healthy. Yeah, so it's extra healthy. And then <laughs> next thing I know, it's, like, one bottle a night. Yeah. And I'm like, why? But it's so good. And so that's what Whole30 is about, though. I mean, it's about resetting your relationship with those things. I I am so anti-not drink. I mean, if people want to do that and be sober, like, more power to you. I I just know that I will never be that person. So I would rather just, like, have a foundation and have better ground rules and expectations of myself with it 
and create a better relationship just because I just don't ever see myself being a non-drinker. Yeah, that's smart. I think it's probably good for everyone. I definitely have times where I cut back on it. And those also tend, my problem is that I tend to isolate during those times because I get more social anxiety, like going to a bar or something if I'm not drinking. So that can be hard. But if you can still find ways to connect with people um, outside of it. I know that you say, you always say you have social anxiety, but I think because I met you and we started hanging, we always hung out on a more like low key level that I haven't got to like experience or see that socially anxious version of you because we're always like, I guess we're always in a comfortable place. A lot of, a lot of people don't pick up on it either. It's all trapped in my head because I'm, I'm a chameleon and I'm really good at hiding it. Yes, where I would not be. You would see it in my face immediately. I wear every emotion on my face. If you could see me right now, I'm literally the most expressive person ever. And the only time I was ever not expressive was like the three months I had Botox. (laughs) (laughs) And they wore off so fast because I'm so expressive. And I was like, this is the biggest waste of money for me. Yeah, I feel like like both Lizzie and I are pretty good at hiding those things. But Nadia, I can't imagine you. Yeah, it's pretty pretty If I'm mad or sad, you know. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to be better at that, actually. I think it's important to have that kind of transparency and that's something I'm working on with my therapist is like oh it's not a choice in the moment (laughs) but in the moment can I be more authentic can I instead of doing the chameleon thing and just trying to fit in and have a good time can I actually you know say to someone like oh yeah sorry I need a minute I'm really anxious right now I think I'm gonna step outside and go for a walk or something or just yeah like I I definitely was good at that over the holidays of just taking time to myself when I was like in a house with my whole family. Um, I mean, this is your life experience. I always try to tell myself that because I feel like we're all givers and we give ourselves entirely to our friends and our family and our significant others. And I just always have to remember like at the end of the day, this is my life experience. I am going to die alone essentially. So like I want to just try to take care of myself and put what I need first, not in a selfish way or a malicious way, but try to, to balance out the scales in that sense. Yeah. Hmm. That's a good point. Well, we are about that time to take a break. So, uh, folks, we will BRB. Two Nuts in a Pot is a program dedicated to talking about the real stuff. The stigma of mental illness, how we tend to our mental health, and how our brains define and empower us. Hosted by Lizzie and Emery, Two Nuts in a Pod can be found on podcast streaming devices such as iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and CastBox. In addition to podcast streaming services, Two Nuts in a Pod is a proud member of Forward Radio. 065 WFMPLP is committed to broadcasting the voices of those groups and individuals in our community who are routinely ignored by the mainstream media promoting understanding and collaboration among diverse groups, supporting our efforts to network, organize, and strengthen our community and our democracy. Forward Radio is a volunteer-powered, listener-supported station, and we need your contributions. Just go to forwardradio.org to donate or get involved. All right, we're back. We missed you guys as usual. Dark, dark times when we weren't with you, but we're back now. Yeah, that was really sad. Yeah. Emo, was he was crying a little bit. I did. I cried a lot, actually. A single tear, I saw. Oh, no, yeah. it was a lot more than that. 
Um, so we're back and we're, we are with Nadia Jarfi today. And, uh, so in this part of the show, we just kind of want to hear about your experiences, Nadia, with mental health. Uh, I know you mentioned anxiety some, but just generally kind of what you've gone through and kind of the things you've learned, uh, for yourself. Um, but where we like to start is just what made you feel comfortable to come on this show and share that because it's really hard to actually share those experiences with other people so what motivated you to do that yeah i would say youtube motivated me you're my close friends now and i think it's truly inspiring what you guys are doing and i like i had mentioned earlier i'm not very great at being vulnerable and you know more public circumstances and i thought this could be good for some of my you know mental health and growth to finally be able to just, you know, take a deep breath and talk to some people that I trust and we're going to put it out anyway. So, hey guys, you're about to hear all the all the craziness, but yeah, you guys you guys were my motivation for sure. Oh, that's nice. She already gets brownie points. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> good answer. We like that one. Good answer. <laughs> yeah. Um so when did your mental health issues start or like what what's kind of been your experience with it? Yeah, um so I was a your classic southern emo teenager, right? Like I loved the used and all that dark music <laughs> and like it wasn't just, you know, the music and all that for me. Like I actually was dealing with pretty bad manic depression and was using that as a way to cope with it cuz I didn't know that I could actually get help. Um I was probably 15 when I first started feeling depressed. And alone. And, you know, I, I definitely felt like I was kind of like not odd at school. Like I got along with everybody, but I kind of did my own thing pretty much always. Um, and then around 16, I actually started to become suicidal. And I had reached out to my parents and asked, you know, hey, like I'm starting to feel this way. And they just, you know, they love them to death, not even their fault. They just weren't conditioned to know how to deal with a child that was suffering from depression. So it was always kind of those like, snap out of it. You're okay. You'll be fine. I was an athlete and I was in choir. So I was just like a super busy kid too, because I was taking one toe in the arts and one toe in sports, which is just a lot. Mm -hmm. And I remember just getting like really fed up and I ran away. I just said, screw it. I went on tour with a band for two weeks wow. <laughs> through Canada. And then my parents found me through a friend and they had like literally been, they called the police and everything. It was pretty crazy. Um, and then when I came home, I was like, are you going to take, take me seriously now? You know, type thing. And so I ended up going an inpatient for about two weeks. Um, and it helped me so much. It was just exactly what I needed I needed to know that I was you know it was okay for me to feel what I was feeling and they diagnosed me manic depressive which in some cases I, I think I had more of just classic depression more more than manic but that's you know what I was diagnosed at the time and um after that I actually I got on what is it Lexapro mm -hmm. yes so I was on Lexapro and I gained a bunch of weight and I remember thinking like I'm reverting straight back to this like dark place. Like I, you know, I was an athlete. I had always been in shape. And the next thing I knew I had put on like 40 pounds at, you know, 18, 19 years old at this point. And I just lost it at that point. And I, d I decided, you know, what, I'm going to get off this medicine and I'm going to try to focus on health. 
And I started, you know, eating really well, exercising again. I had quit playing soccer because of my depression, too, which was a very hard on me. I had a coach that picked on me really bad and pretty much ruined my entire soccer career. <laughs> like, I was a varsity soccer. I was basically in middle school playing soccer on the boys' team because I, I was too good to play with the girls at the time. Like, my skill level was really high. So I loved I loved sports. That's always something that was entrenched in who I am. And then to completely cut that off, was it just it hurt me a lot. So after that, I said, you know what? I'm not going to keep giving myself an excuse. I'm going to get active again. And that helped me a lot. And I weaned myself off medicine. And I didn't take medicine at that point for, like, a couple years and then I noticed I still needed something, so they ended up giving me an anxiety medication a couple years later, which I still take as needed, mm -hmm. um, pretty much. But I got into, so after that, I'm good, everything's great. I got into a relationship <laughs> with this guy that was a little bit, he was older than me. He was like, I think he was nine years older than me, so. Oh, that's pretty significant when you're younger. Yeah, I was yeah. 20. And no, he was, yeah, I was 20 and he was about, 30 turning 31 so he was 10 years older than me and I you know everything was actually pretty chill like he had a kid and so he had his kid every other weekend which I loved because I had my weekend with my girlfriends when he had his daughter and then when he didn't we had our weekend so I thought it was like a really good balance I was like hey this is great you know we can hang out and have fun and laugh and cut up and then like you have your time and that turned out to um slippery slope into like a very abusive relationship mentally to start and um has anyone okay i'm not one to check your you know i'm very anti check your boyfriend or girlfriend's phone i think it's very invasive mm. um it's very disrespectful a lot you should give people the benefit of the doubt if you feel a certain way but then we always have like that weird gut instinct with certain things but then you want to think like am i crazy or is this a gut instinct like is something happening I don't know about, or am I just being insecure? We've all had that conversation in a relationship at some point. Yeah. And one day we were like sitting outside and he was like on his roof fixing something and his phone fell off and it was unlocked. And it was like a, a nude from a girl. Oh my God. And I saw it and I knew the relationship was like not great. And again, we've all been, if anyone that's been in a bad relationship can say, you you know you're in a bad relationship when you're in one, right? Like, we've all been there. We know when we're in that. And I was young, too, so I don't even know, like, why I was wasting my time, but I was. Um, and so I saw it, and I was just like, I remember I just packed all my stuff up, and I left. And he didn't know why. I told him I was sick. I was just like, oh, no, no. I didn't even want to fight about it at that point. And I ended up running into him at the monkey wrench r.i.p the monkey wrench that was a cool bar mm, yeah um and he hit me in public oh my god yeah and um got arrested obviously and taken out and stuff like that and then ended up like breaking into my apartment and beating me up like went from like mentally abusive to like physically very quickly that's so scary it was very very scary um and after that, I remember just, like, waking up in my apartment and, like, he's gone and, like, everything's just broken around me and just being, like, I'm getting out of here. And that was, like, one of – not that that relationship motivated me to, like, move away and try something different, but it helped ignite a fire within me that, like, 
I had been wanting to check out the West Coast and see family. And like now that this I mean, obviously, I wasn't going to get back with this person. I was at least strong enough to be like, I'm walking away from this for good. I'm 21 years old. I have a lot ahead of me and I'm smart and I'm going to do this right. And so it's funny, two of the biggest pivots in my life as far as moving were, were are both after relationships ending. Yeah. That one was like the worst breakup of my life. And I do truly believe like sometimes you you don't get lucky. You kind of have to go through like a couple like relationships before you find like that good healthy one. Mm-hmm. But just like being honest with yourself enough to know when to walk away. Yeah. That's always the hard part. And it shouldn't take extreme means as me, like, being in a, an abusive relationship. Like, it should have just been, like, me knowing that it didn't serve me. But it happens. And um, I, I was in San Diego for eight years. And I spent the last three years in a relationship with a really, really amazing guy, actually. Like, we didn't even, like, end on bad terms. He was actually wonderful. We just were so different. Hmm very different types of people that just couldn't meet in the middle on certain things. There just wasn't that kind of like fluidity. And so when that kind of like ended, I was ready to again, move on and try something different, thinking that coming home was going to be a step along the way. And now I'm here and I'm in a very healthy relationship with a wonderful person. And it's just so night and day, like looking back at, you know, the things that you deal with in other relationships that like now, like, you don't have to deal with and there's understanding and there's growth and you know to the listeners out there if you're with somebody that it doesn't feel right it probably isn't so you should probably listen to your intuition and walk away but a lot of that caused a lot of mental stress for me over years I when I moved back here um, I had a lot of past PTSD trauma from that relationship that I'm still dealing with from that first relationship from the first one yeah. where where it was physical I still I think that I pushed it in the back of my mind and didn't deal with it because I was in California. I didn't really have to. And being back here subconsciously, it's like come up a lot in ways and and habits or like things I've said and done where I've had to check myself and be like, ooh, like, where's that coming from? And I know it's, it's definitely deep rooted in that. So I'm just really trying to work on healing those dark places so that I can, you know, continue to be happy and it's okay. You know, I'm okay. I'm alive. I'm healthy. It was a horrible experience, but it made me who I am. Yeah. And our relationships impact our mental health so much. So much. Whether you're in a bad relationship or even if you're in a good relationship, you know, like we talk about codependency on this show a lot because I definitely have codependent tendencies and I've been a serial monogamist for forever. Like yeah. I've spent very little of my life actually single. And it's just, it's really easy to lose yourself in a relationship. Codependency is an interesting one, too, because I've always considered myself not to be a very codependent partner. Um, And and, and I'm finding myself having now, later in life, some codependent tendencies and having to kind of check myself and be like, because I don't think it's actually a bad thing to have codependency a little bit, because it's nice to feel like you're loved and wanted with your partner. Mm-hmm. I think that's normal. Where it gets a little bit tricky is when that person can't go hang out with their friends. And then I'm like making up excuses so that he can't go hang out with his friends for selfish reasons or something. So, and I, I'm the type of person like I'll be a brat and like snap at you for my own selfish volition. And then I'll like five minutes later be like, you know what? I'm really sorry. I should have like, I respect you and like your life and whatever you want. <laughs> 
that's me to a T. Like I'll be a brat, and then I literally come back and I'm like, I love you. I'm sorry. Yeah. (laughs) You deserve better. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. Codependency is is confusing. It's just confusing because you don't know which feelings are coming from who, and it's all it's all mixed up. So whenever I find myself getting to that place is when like I have a talk with Seth and it's kind of like, you know, I need to, I'm sorry that I've been projecting a lot of stuff on you lately. I'm going to focus on myself. You know what? You're right. Like projection and codependency are almost hand in hand because the moment you become super codependent is when you're projecting some kind of anxiety or like, ill feelings you have with yourself onto your partner so you need them to be with you so that you can deal with yourself like mm-hmm. truly like i've no i've been that person probably like this morning so yeah <laughs> i know that feeling but you know as long as i feel like being aware and what you guys are doing with this with this podcast and radio show just creating awareness and being able to talk about it like hey i've been codependent i've had anxiety attacks like People, the more you become aware, the better you can at fixing and reacting more appropriately to totally. being honest with yourself. It's hard to do sometimes, but it's necessary. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, um, Nadia, thank you so much for sharing that. And I wish we had more time. We'll obviously have you back on the show sometime, though. Thank you so much. Um, guys. This has been great. Uh, we like to always end the show by talking about gratitudes. Um, because a lot of times in the show, we're trying to really uh, share what our quote unquote negative emotions are because we don't get to talk about those in like they're just kind of covered up in our culture. We don't talk about them a lot, but it's also super important to have a good gratitude practice so that we can really stay grounded and think about the things that are going right and the things that are kind of, you know, worth sticking around for when we're in our darkest moments um so gratitudes who wants to go first who's got some gratitude i'll go first all right (laughs) i would say i've got two one is the cold weather i'm very grateful for the coldness (laughs) uh just i love the feeling of walking outside and having that cold air just like hit your skin like it is i know a lot of people do not like that at all but for some reason it just feels so like clean to me and it feels that that crisp air and that just i don't know it just brings me a lot of pleasure and then even like running like i i continue to run all the time and you know i still run in my shorts and short sleeve shirt like a maniac out there running in the cold but it's honestly it's like i feel so like this sounds so cheesy but i feel so alive when i run like in the cold weather like it just it's, I can see that. it's such a great feeling for me and then the second gratitude would be, hey, today, this morning, I went and picked up, I guess, am I grateful? Yeah, I'm grateful for this. I went and picked up sand and lava rocks because uh, Brennan and I are, will be building a fire pit in our backyard. Ooh. So I'm grateful. We, we couldn't do it today because it was raining and snowing today, um, but we at least have the materials to do it because the, when, they re, when they redid our house, uh, flipped our house and everything, um, they left over a lot of bricks, so we're going to use those bricks as like a little... Look at you recycling. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. That. And uh, so we're going to use the bricks, and then we bought some of the supplies today, so I have it all ready to go. Uh, so whenever it's the weather's nice, we're going to build a little fire pit. So it'll be really nice. I've been waiting to do that, too. Cool. Super Very cool. cool. 
What about you, Nadia? What are your gratitudes? You know, I'm going to segue off your cold comment because I love being back in the seasons. I'm going to be honest with you guys. Like the summer, the eternal summer was really fun while it lasted. But I think there's something to be said about living in a place with seasons. The winter allows you to slow down, reassess, not have to commit to too much and relax. And I think it inhibits a lot of growth for me personally and my personality type. So I am grateful to live back in the seasons, even on this gloomy, cold day. Um, I am grateful for you guys, too. This has been really fun in my family. And um, I'm grateful that we're going to have a new president next week. Yes. <laughs> Do a little clap for that. Yay. Yay. Thank God. Thank goodness. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, so I'm trying to think of my gratitudes. I always have a hard time with gratitude practice because I just am bad at it. I'm just bad <laughs> at, I'm bad at recognizing the stuff that's going right. Cause I spend so much time thinking about what's going wrong. Um, but I am today, I'm feeling very grateful for my sister and for the group of women in her life that she's then brought into my life, uh, that I got to spend time with yesterday. They, I wouldn't plan a baby shower with any other group. They were just, <laughs> they were just on top of it. Um, but I tend to have a hard time, like making friends and opening up to people, um, with my social anxiety. And so it, really helps me to have people in my life who like kind of connect me to others and my sister kind of does that for me and she she's my younger sister but she also just kind of like I feel like is my role model like I try to she's very um she has some anxiety but she she really kind of keeps everything in check and she's really good at cultivating relationships and so I try to kind of see what she does and and it's like a what would Jenny do kind of thing <laughs> where that. I try to think of like, how would Jenny react to this? How would Jenny um, cultivate this relationship? How would she open up to someone? Um, she's always been kind of my trailblazer with that. So and with having a baby before I did, she's also a trailblazer. Um, so now I can I'm starting to think about it. I'm like, well, Jenny's doing it. I think uh, I think I could do it. Now I know what to do I with all those WWJD bracelets I have. I <laughs> yeah, give them, give them to me. What would Jenny do? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we are actually, unfortunately, out of time for today. But like I said, Nadia, we will definitely have you on again sometime. I would love to be back. And thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. And, uh,. Any last words, Emo? I have nothing left. He's got <laughs> Just sounds. Just to make a sound. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. We'll keep talking about your feelings. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Two Nuts in a Pod on Forward Radio. Please keep in mind that we are not mental health professionals, and all of our opinions are based on our personal experiences. If you'd like to speak to a trained professional, call National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. Original theme music for Two Nuts in a Pod was composed by Neil Lucas.